We are finishing up our series on big story and big calling. And what we've been talking about is the big story, the overarching story of, of the Bible, the overarching story of history, from when God created the world in Genesis 1 and 2 to Revelation 21 and 22, when Jesus comes back and comes back to make all things new. And I've been harping on you the four acts of the story. Hopefully you can name them, but they are up on the screen. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration. So that's the story of the Bible, and that's our foundation as Christians. It gives us an identity. It gives us significance. It gives us hope. It gives us purpose. It gives us a calling. All of, you, all of these different things. And the biblical story is made up of your stories, of my story, right? Each one of us has our own story. And because of that, each one of us has a different calling. So we've been talking about calling as something unique that you have made known about God's goodness, okay? Calling is making known something unique about God's goodness that only your story tells. Your story is different than mine. It's different than everybody else's in this room. And that's a good thing. And so we're called to show God through our calling, and we're called to show our calling, or to use our calling to reveal God's character. And so this is why we're talking about the big story and a big calling, and it's why your story matters. Okay? So why don't we pray? Because I need some help, and we want God to be here and bless us. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here among us. We thank you that uh, you have spoken to us through your word, and we pray that you would do that this morning. We pray that you would uh, make known new things that uh, are beautiful and wonderful truths to us. Would you challenge us in new ways to follow you and worship you and glorify you? Lord, I pray that you would use this time for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're talking about restoration today. And the end is restoration. And also, the end is restoration. And restoration is the end. I'll say it a different way. Restoration is the end, and restoration is the end. You're like, okay, you're, like, you're weird. What's wrong with you? <laughs> What I'm saying is the goal of restoration, the goal of the story, when I say the end, the goal of the story, the goal of restoration is the restoration of all things, right? And the restoration is the ending, the ending of the biblical story. And so we see God in his generosity and his kindness, he gives us glimpses of restoration through the Holy Spirit working in us, working restoration in us even now. But we also have through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, we have an assurance and a security of what the end will be, of what restoration will be. And the way that we, the way that we look at this, we've been talking about this, is like what, what goals 
are you working to in your life? And then we've been talking about the idea of exploring your own story to figure out your calling. And I know that sometimes people are like reluctant to explore their story because they're like, it's the past. Why don't you just leave it there? You know, why would I want to bring that up? It's dumb, David. I don't like it. You know, the past, it is what it is. And I would say, I think you're missing out on a lot if you don't think about that. Dan Allender, you know, I love him, uh, has this quote. He says, we wrongly believe that we will be happy if we can escape the past. But without our past, we are hollow and plastic beings who have only common names and conventional stories. It's pretty, pretty harsh. <laughs> He's an intense guy. Right? Oftentimes we think, well, my, my story isn't that bad. So it, my story's not as bad as hers or not as bad as his. My story's not that bad. Or like, I don't really know what to pull out of my story and talk about. I, don't, I need some help. And I, what I want to say is you cannot compare your story and the hurt in your story to anybody else's story except the story of Eden. Did you hear that? The only story that you should be comparing your story to is the story of Eden. Okay? It is not helpful for me to compare mine to yours and yours to his and not helpful. We only want to compare it to Eden. And so we have these bookends that we've been looking at with the Christian story, and we've talked about creation and fall and redemption. And today we get to the other bookend of restoration, the ending of the biblical story and the goal of the biblical story, restor the restoration of all things. So first we're going to start with Revelation 21, sorry, 22, verses 1 to 3. They're in your bulletin if you want to read along, or you can look at the projector. Revelation 22, 1 through 3 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also... Man, I am struggling here. There we go. Nope. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. See, this is the ending of the story. This is the ending of restoration. It's where, like, all of this, all of your life, everything is going. It is going to this one point. It's going towards restoration of Revelation 21 and 22 shows us. And as we look at it, you see in verse 1 how he's offering the, the river of water of life and how it's flowing from the throne of God and in the Lamb. Like, refreshment and living water and life is given to you. And it shows us where the source is. The source is the throne of God. It's, it's where the Lamb is. And we'll worship Him because of it. And there are a couple of things I want to point out. First, 
You see the word in verse 2, it said city. Now, you might say, okay, restoration, doesn't that mean that we're going to go back to the beginning and start over? Well, it doesn't say garden. I'm on the wrong slide, aren't I? City. See, it's the last word out there. Right? We're not going to restore back to the garden where we're cavemen or whatever. There's development in the story. There's development in the world. There's development in, like, big T truth. There's development in you fulfilling your calling now that's going to go on forever. And that's part of restoration, the development of creation. He's, God's not going to just toss it out, but he's going to take parts of redemption and parts of restoration, and they're going to go on forever and be built upon forever and ever. And you saw in verse 2 how it talked about the fruitful. Nope. On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. What does this remind you of? Ooh, Genesis 1 and 2, creation, right? All that imagery is supposed to make you think back all the way to the beginning. It's supposed to remind you that there is another bookend, and it's back in Genesis 1 and 2. And so, like, the source of all goodness is here, and you see what the goal is. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The healing of the nations. Look, we, were lo we long for this day. We were made for this day. Romans 8 talks about how creation groans for this day. When one day, someday, Jesus comes back and brings final restoration. Right? He comes back for the ending of the story. Now, I want you to do something to me. I'm going to show you a quote, but you've got you to you got to come with me and follow me, okay? So this is from C.S. Lewis and talking about the Chronicles of Narnia in the last battle at the very end. This is what he says. After their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only, had only been the cover and the title page, now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story no one on earth had, has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Now he's talking about the characters in the Chronicles of Narnia. I want you to substitute yourself. And when you read that word there, all their life, you need to think about your life. And when it says in Narnia, take Narnia out and put the world, the creation, right? All of these things, this biblical story, it's the end, but it's also going to be the beginning. It's going to be the beginning. You saw in verse 3 how it's for the healing of the nations. But it goes on, and final restoration is showing, like, this is going to be the end, but it's also going to be the beginning. And this is what it will be like in restoration. Like, you will walk with God. You will get to touch Jesus. Like, I'll ask to see his scars too. <laughs> like, you will see the Holy Spirit. You will have a perfect body. Nothing will be wrong with it. You will get to walk around on the earth the way that the Creator meant it to be. 
There's no more sin, and there's no more sorrow, and there's no more tears, and there's no more death. There's no more evil. It's all complete perfection, harmony, and goodness. And this is the end of the story. We will work without pain and toil. And as you see in verse 3, it talks about how nothing is accursed. Is that right? Nope. There it is. No longer will there be anything accursed. I mean, can you imagine that? Just think about that. Could you dream a little bit? Imagine what it will be like to walk with God with a perfect body. What it would be like to talk to Jesus and just say, will you tell me some stories? <laughs> Imagine getting to be on the earth and working it in a way that's not toilsome and burdensome, but in a way that's easier and help more helpful. We have uh, a raised garden bed in our backyard, and I was digging I was trying to dig the monkey grass out of the way so we could put it in, and I was sitting there digging and going, ugh, stupid Adam and Eve. <laughs> like I would have chosen different, you know? <laughs> but that's, that's what Revelation 22 is. That's what Revelation 21 and 22 are, right? Like, they're the end of the story, and the entire world is going to be restored to the Creator and the way the Creator meant it to be the way the Creator meant it to be. Well, let's go to our next passage, Revelation 2.17. Jimmy, they've been trying to get me to use slides while you're gone, and I just, I need help. So you can help me t tomorrow in the office, or Monday, Tuesday in the office, you know. Uh, Revelation 2.17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I, Jesus, will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. The goal of restoration, the goal of restoration is your need, you're using your unique calling to work towards it. Your unique calling. Now, I, I got to say something about manna because I know you'll all ask me about it later, but it talks about, Jesus is talking about, I will give you hidden manna. And in this part of Revelation, it's chapters two and three, and he's promising this is what's going to happen to people who overcome evil and continue to follow me. And he talks about these heavenly blessings to those who overcome. And he talks about hidden manna, like providing sustenance and food and endurance for you, for those who are persecuted. But some of the other things he talks about are the tree of life. Well, that's Revelation 2 and 3, but we see that fulfilled in Revelation 22. We just read it. You'll survive judgment day. You'll be clothed in bright garments. Your name will be in the book of life. See, I'm not making up this story stuff. It's real. In the book of life, you will participate in the new Jerusalem and new earth. That's the new restored city that he's talking about in Revelation 22. So you get all of these things as you overcome, as you, as you continue to endure the Christian walk. 
But here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the white stone. The white stone in verse 17. A stone for each one of you with a new name on it. A new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Right? You will have a stone that God will take you to or God will give you and will have your name on it, a name written on your stone, a name only that you and God know. And this name is going to capture the essence of like who you are, who God designed you to be. It's going to capture your story and your wounds and your healing and your calling and what is most true in your heart. It's going to call all of that forward, and it's all part of God's story of restoration. And you see that the headstone, this is unique between it's just the two of you, but it, it's also going to reveal, like, your calling from your story. And it's going to be kind of your calling, like your umbrella calling, okay? Because you're going to have multiple callings in your life. I was talking about this with the staff this week. How, you know, there are seasons where I might be called to be single. There'll be seasons where I might be called to be married. There's a season where I might be called to be a widow or a widower. There's a season where I might be called to have kids. There's a season where I might not be called to have kids. There's a season where I might be called to have a job. But eventually, you'll probably have the call to retire. Right? And you might say, well, what about me in school? Well, my daughter is 10, and she's in the fourth, fifth grade now in the fall. And whenever she says she needs something, you know, like, I need a napkin, Dad, please. I'm like, you need to get a job. <laughs> okay? Start pulling your weight around here. I think her mother's been teaching her this, though, because she always barks back at me, I have a job. It's school. <laughs> you got me. Right? So we have these multiple callings in her vocation. My daughter's vocation, her calling right now is to be in the fifth grade. Right? So if you're getting your PhD at Georgia Tech and, you know, that's your vocation. That's your calling. That's what you're supposed to be doing right now. But we've talked about this, like you, your calling is specific to you and your story. You are the only you in this world. Okay? And you need to think about the Christian life. This is kind of throughout the Bible. It talks a lot about the illustration of a garden. And I was saying we have, you know, a raised garden bed in our backyard. And, you know, we're um, trying to create this beautiful, flourishing garden that is part of the creation and at times we have to prune things and trim things and weed a lot and it's almost like we're co-creators with God and you have this calling to create a garden and your garden is to say something unique about God's goodness no one else's will and I think too often we get stuck as Christians we get stuck weeding instead of trying to create beauty. 
we get stuck on just weeding. Like, I got to pull out all these things of my life. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Right? Like, we just weed. Well, what about if you, like, focus on growing something and cultivating something and getting it to go and be flourish, flourishing? Okay? I want to introduce um, a concept to you. My same daughter says, you know who my favorite preacher is, Dad? And I'm like, she says, Mr. Steve, you use big words. <laughs> and this morning I'm going to prove her right. Okay? So here's the idea that I want to present to you that was meaningful to me when I learned it. Mortification of sin, vivification of life. Doesn't that sound like seminary words, you know, like seminary students say that, right? Mortification of sin, like you're putting sin to death. You need that. But at the same time, you are seeking life. You're trying to create vivid fruitfulness, vivid beauty, wholeness. So there's that idea of mortification, of dying to sin and living to beauty and righteousness and truth. Okay? That's your seminary lesson for the day. But I want you to think, imagine it again, right? Like, to think about this vivification of life. Like, think about what life could be if it, we were doing it the right way, if we were doing it exactly how God called us to. Could you imagine being part of a group where you felt 100% like you belong? No questions asked. You belong with a group of people that you can be honest with and no one's going to just try to solve your problems nonchalantly in a very insensitive way. Not that anyone's ever done that. Right? Like you can be honest and vulnerable and share. Wouldn't that be amazing to be part of that, to be part of a people that's worshiping God constantly, that's helping each other heal, part of a people who are creating blessing for others? helping put to sin, death, and growing life. Like, when we're fulfilling these, when we're fulfilling our callings, like, we are creating these sacred connections with each other. And I'll just say, like, we're cultivating beauty and truth and glory. And let me just say, you need both mortification of sin and vivification of life. You need both to have a robust spiritual life. You need both, okay? So don't hear me say what I'm not saying. But we've talked about how uh, calling and what kind of, like last week we talked about little k, like in parentheses, little k, what's your kingdom? Or this morning I can say, what, what kind of garden do you want to grow? What kind of garden are you growing? And it's going to be based on your story. And it is your calling. And then your calling is to work towards restoration, the goal of the whole story. And here's what I'll say. What, what you are creating in your life, that is restoration. What you are saying no to in your life is restoration. What you're fighting off of from evil is restoration. The way that you're cultivating beauty and truth is restoration. 
Tending to your wounds of your story is restoration. Finding healing is restoration. Stepping even more into your calling is restoration. It's like restoration bleeding backwards, where God gives us this glimpse of what we could be. It's almost like a movie preview, you know? You show true parts, but you only get a little bit. You don't get the whole thing, right? We don't get the whole thing of restoration. There are parts of it that are going to go on for eternity. There are parts that you're going to build on. And so your story matters. Your life matters. It's not like we're just going to chuck all this development and then start over. No, we're going to take pieces from what we have now and rid them of sin, the cancer of sin, and we will live on the earth with the Creator the way that He intended it to be. That's restoration. You know, we've been talking a lot about living water. Jesus says, Come to me who are thirsty and drink living water. Out of my heart will flow rivers of living water. When you think of Revelation 22, there's living waters. That's what Jesus is talking about. And right now, through the Holy Spirit, you can have that now. You can find that fulfillment and that wholeness now. All right, let me finish with this. Let's see if I can get it right. There we go. Quoted Dan Allender, C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller, like the writing trinity. Um, If the Bible, (laughs) if the God of the Bible exists... And there is a true reality beneath and behind this one. And this life is not the only life. Then every good endeavor, even the simplest ones, pursued in response to God's calling, can matter forever. Do you see what he's saying? Like, there's a true reality beneath and behind all the things that we're doing. The way you fulfill your calling can matter forever. It's not a waste. Even if you think it is tedious and boring and annoying, um, it matters. Your labor is not in vain. It's not empty. Your labor is not in vain. Your work, your vocation, your calling is part of this bigger story. It's part of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And restoration is the ending of the biblical story, but it's also the author's goal of the story since Genesis 3. Like, pull out your Bible and see how many pages that is, right? It's like huge. But that's been the goal of the author since Genesis 3. And so, I'll say it again and finish with this. The end is restoration. And the end is restoration. The goal and the ending. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the ways that you have provided for us, that you offer us in your grace and your mercy living water because of the work of Jesus. Lord, thank you for the truths 
of the biblical story, that we can look at it and, and find hope and find encouragement and endurance and fruitfulness, and we can have mortification of sin and vivification of life. We work towards fruitfulness. Thank you for that. Thank you for using us to do that, and I pray that you would do that more and more each day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.